It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined by Gordon Parks and Kevin McCallion to discuss all the latest from Parkhead. On the pod today we look back at Celtic's 1-0-1 over Hamilton and preview the Europa League opener against Rennes in France. So it was a return of Premiership football at the weekend after a, a torturous international break, mm-hmm. lads. Uh, probably the most low-key of returns for Celtic. Um, you could imagine 1-0-1, away, 1-0-1 sorry away at Hamilton uh, it was a familiar story Celtic win and James Forrest gets the winner Kevin yeah what do you make of it yeah I think it was um, Forrest obviously had the, the disappointment of being bombed by Scotland for the, the second game he against took Belgium took a wee bit of criticism as well for his yeah mm-hmm. um, so I think but he just showed again that how important he is to Celtic um, he's always somebody that chips in the goals and if you're playing that Four three three system, you have to have your two wide players scoring 10-15 at least every season and that's what you're getting now with Forrest before he wasn't really getting into those kind of numbers but since uh, Brendan Rodgers came he's he's chipping in with those goals every season now so Yeah, um, yeah listen, I've been reading this criticism that he got that James Forrest had a, had a stinker against Russia and the critics must have been watching a different game for the one that I saw. Because there was a bit we, of a caveat to it, wasn't it? Huh? Well, here's, here's what I saw. I was uh, main stand side. So James Ford shuttled up and down the flank that I was closest to. And what he did is offer protection to Stephen O'Donnell. And you saw the worth of Forrest's work when Forrest went off and Stephen was left vulnerable on that flank. He doubled up, he tried back, he tried to get forward. He clearly had been told he had to offer protection down that flank and he did the job brilliantly well now because he wasn't seen as a creative force as much mm-hmm. does that does that merit the criticism that he's actually had he worked his socks off and I have to say the critics I don't stand amongst them I thought he did okay yeah shows he's got another side to his game then I suppose because he's known as such a match winner for Celtic but um, would you say he's maybe arguably Celtic's most important player at the moment um, is I there think a case for that probably after Edwards um, I don't think you can Overemphasise how important Edward is to this Celtic team, um, but if you take him out of the equation, um, then I think Forrest, along with probably Scott Brown, would be the two ones that are on the team sheet every single week. Um, never really see him get rested as such. Um, both Rogers and Lennon, since he's come in, if he's fit every game down the side, so I think that shows how key he is to the Celtic team. He's kind of remarkably durable in that mm-hmm. sense. You know, the, the, the amount of games, the consistency, never seems to pick up injuries either. Well, especially if you consider what he was like before, basically. Um, before the early part of his career, they would, he would be troubled to go um, 10, 15 games without picking up an injury. Mm-hmm. But um, since Brendan Rodgers came in, there seems to be a different style of running that he did. There was a, a story 
back a few seasons ago that he changed the style of running and I think that's helped him <laughs> avoid to pick up the wee strains and niggles that he used uh, to get before. Yeah. I've seen that he has got the most perhaps the most distinctive running style in yeah. Scottish <laughs> football, James Forrest. Um no, another man who's, you know, no stranger to making tons and tons of appearances is is Callum McGregor. Um over the last few seasons he's upwards of 160 games he's played that's not including appearances for Scotland um, but again there's there's been a slight suggestion certainly after the game at the weekend he maybe wasn't at top form I thought he maybe looked a wee bit jaded in the Euro 2020 qualifiers but saying that who did cover themselves in glory but is there maybe an argument that it's time to give Callum McGregor a bit of a rest I don't think so I think we're talking about valuable players and you look at Scott Brown you look at McGregor you look at the partnership that you've got there um, and I think some players are just built to last and his consistency levels and the fact that he's raised the bar as high as he actually has it can be that can be something that's held against you once you drop nobody can be as consistent uh, consistently all the time and McGregor's a victim of how good he's actually been I don't think if you asked him he'd be looking for a rest can players become jaded? It's too early in the in the season to even talk about that. And I think his importance to Celtic, especially at this crucial phase, is too much to give him a break. I don't think that will be a new Lennon's thoughts at all. Yourself, Kevin? I think um, Lennon is tending towards trying to manage his players a bit better. I think um, for the kind of dead rubber and one of the European ties, he left McGregor and Forrest at home, didn't he? Um, mm-hmm. So I think... If there's games where it's possible that you don't need him, um, there's certainly the strength and depth there with the likes of Nitcham that you can bring them in and let McGregor sit out the game. But um, certainly the the one coming up on Thursday, you'd imagine um, McGregor is going to be one of those nailed on starters in centre midfield. Yeah, the problem is, though, Kevin, if you start tinkering with things, and you're talking about a 28 year old athlete, it's in his, it's in his prime. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of rest, he's getting managed really well. He'll probably sit out training sessions. So there's things happening uh, away from the game day which will be helping him. Um, and I have to say that if you, if you leave a player out, Sometimes it can take away the momentum that the player has. Mm. It can affect his psyche. He wants to be playing. Um, you've got to be careful when you start to tinker about. Um, mm. It can end up um, being a kind of destructive thing rather than a positive. And I think yeah, you have to really weigh the whole thing up before you do that. He's also one of these ones that's been quite fortunate to avoid serious injuries so far. So um, I think that helps if you're looking yeah. for somebody to stay in a team for successive games to not have any of those long-term issues with knees. Or anything like that. So Massive, and again, it comes down to one thing: good fortune. Mm-hmm. And as well, the the team that was that was fielded against Hamilton at the weekend again, as we were saying, it's a pretty low key game. It's not one that's going to live long in the memory. But is it maybe looking at that side? I think we got Forster and goal uh, back four: Elhamid, Julian, Ayer, bowling goalie, midfield: Brown and McGregor. Then you had Christie, Elianusi. Forrest and Edward do you think that is that Celtic's strongest team on paper these days is that the team if Neil Lennon could pick with no injuries no suspensions no would that be the, would that be the side that Neil Lennon is picking going forward it's interesting because one of the things he's got is strength and depth he has got options um, again it was a criticism that I never bought either that you know the Rangers have got two, two players for every position Celtic have got strength and depth Back to your point, probably is at this moment in time, but your, your strongest team's only strongest for that kind of period and that moment in uh, time because things change, players dip. On paper just now, they've got all the weapons there, they've got everything that they need. It's a good European side, I think. I think it's an intelligent side. Europe need to keep the ball. Scotland showed their inability to do that and the importance of keeping the ball and making sure that 
you play with a bit of thought and you've got a lot of gifted players on that side. You've also got a backbone. You've got a good settle, settle defensive pair and you've now got a good keeper who dominates his area. The full-back position seems to be sorted a wee bit and I think when you look at the technical players in the middle of the park, you've got the width and the pace that uh, Celtic have now and you've got Edward who's now looking a pedigree player and on the international stage, on whether it's France under-21s or whether it's Europa League level, he looks as if he's uh, taking the kind of mantle as that kind of number one man. Mm-hmm. The one change for me maybe would be um, Mikey Johnson, I think, has been Celtic's arguably most impressive winger on the left this season, so mm-hmm. El Yunusi has only really had 60 minutes, so I don't think he might be fully up to speed yet, yeah. so if Johnson is fit, then I think Lennon might just pick him for the left, um, especially in the last European game, he came up with a really important goal after um, IEK had equalised, so... That was all due to his trickery and pace down that left. So, um. See, I think the opposite applies to Mike Johnson when we're talking about McGregor. When you're talking about a young player who's coming in, you bed him in, you take him out, you put him back in. He has been great. He looks as if he's definitely stronger. Mm-hmm. And that potential is starting to show up. But you manage a young player in a kind of way that is complete opposite to an experienced pro. He needs to be put in and out. If Europe uh, is, is an environment that Lennon believes that he can flourish in, why not? You're right, but again, it goes back to options. Celtic got plenty of them. Yeah, I think obviously Elianusi's not coming to Celtic to sit on the bench. This is a £16 million player whose form's dipped because he's not been getting a regular game, so I think he'll be looking to stay in the team for a. Yeah, again, you're talking about confidence, and he's clearly a player that's had his confidence jolted. And when you talk about the valuation, the fact that any club's prepared to spend £16 million shows that he has get, he ticks the boxes in a lot of departments. But it's the mental side of the game that he's been struggling with, I think, mm-hmm. by the kind of reports that I've been getting. So you bring him to Celtic, you play him, you'll give him a run, you, you start to love him a wee bit, the fans start to love him. That can be and very much the Brendan Rodgers way, you know, trying to cajole him into performances and taking him out of the team wouldn't maybe be the right thing to do it's just to let him hit the ground running and let him show what he's got yeah different demands as well I know there's kind of a lot made about you know he didn't quite do it at Southampton in that first season but it's different you know playing first a Southampton side who are kind of mid to lower in the English Premier League whereas playing for Celtic were consistently constantly on the front foot so it could be a better platform for him Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean the yeah, he's, he's, a player that, he's a player that demonstrates his best ability in the final third. And if you've got that creative kind of, uh, that, that need to go and display your talents, he's a, he's a player with flair, he's a player that's got exquisite moments. And I think you've seen the clips and the things that he can do. Celtic's a marriage made in heaven because he's going to be asked to go and demonstrate what he's, what he's got. He gives you natural width, he's got a good left, left foot. I think it's a perfect signing for Celtic and a perfect environment for him because the fans will take to that. Mm-hmm. I think also there might be the option of maybe getting him on a longer term deal if he does well, enjoys it here and pushes on maybe possibly out of Celtic's price range but longer his contract ticks down the cheaper he'll become as well. So Yeah, Celtic's market now is either recruiting potential or you're having to accept you're taking damaged goods and trying to rehabilitate them and that's just a that's just a lot of the land at the moment for Celtic with the spending power that they've got, which is so significant. But to get a player that's been that's been rated recently sixteen million pounds, you are getting a player who's clearly needing to be re- to re- whether it's fitness, whether it's his mentality, rehabilitation has to be has to be done, and hopefully it can it can do that at Celtic. Mm-hmm. And as well, the the game at the weekend there it extends this unbeaten run that Celtic have made to the start of the domestic season. Not done it since was it. 
was the last time they opened um, with this run of results. And it's, I think what's kind of been interesting about them is they've showed a lot already in these opening games. There was the, you know, the free-flowing attacking against the likes of Motherwell and St Johnston, the 12 goals in two games. Um, you know, there was a real tactical, shrewd performance at Ibrox and then there was the grinding out, maybe not at their best, against Hamilton. So they're, they're showing a lot to their, their game under Lennon already, Celtic, aren't they? When you turn up at Hamilton, that is what it is. <laughs> you walk onto the pitch, it's not for anybody's taste. I'm sure there's uh, Celtic players privately loathing having to go to play at Hamilton's Park. The greatest respect to Hamilton, it is what it is. But to go there, get the job done, no fuss, no injuries, get the, I mean, whether it's 4 nothing, 1 nothing, irrelevant, get the points in the bag and get out of dodge. What yourself, Kevin, you seeing a, lots of different kind of sides to this Celtic team this season? Yeah, it's one of the real changes I think you've seen since Rogers left and Lennon took over. Um, towards the end of last season, he was basically using the kind of Rogers blueprint and just man-managing them through it. But you can tell he's had time to work in the summer and there's different approaches during the game. I mean, I was watching um, the highlights of the Arsenal game last night and I was just, how in God's <laughs> name are they doing that thing at the the bye kicks and it lost them a goal, it could have lost them another goal. Uh-huh. And I was thinking, well, if Rogers was in charge of Celtic, would they be trying to do the same thing? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with Lennon, there's no chance of that happening. He's already spoke about how he wants his goalkeepers to hit the second part of the pitch rather than the first part of the pitch with yeah. his kicking. Um, and I think that really has helped Celtic in games like the one at Ibrox, they took a different approach, and the one at Hamilton on a plastic pitch, it's a different approach. Whereas you have these challenges in Scotland where it's sometimes not possible to do it with a possession game mm-hmm. and you have to find different ways to win it and I think Lennon showed in his first spell as manager that he knew how to do that and he's now bringing that across in this spell as well. It's an in- endorses the decision to bring Lennon back because if you're going for some kind of foreign option, you're getting that kind of football, you're mm-hmm. getting a manager coming in who doesn't know the environment. You've got Lennon who's been over the course, who demonstrates how to roll your sleeves up and show passion to get whatever you're talking about the different sides of Celtic Lennon's capable of putting out four or five different sides of Celtic whether it's Saturday they'll just be fundamentally good just do the basics well make sure you're focused and get the job done and take your, take your chance once it comes its way or he can be more refined going at the European stage he knows how to set his team out in various different ways and that, versa, that kind of versatile um, manager is only somebody that grows through experience and he's mm-hmm. had that and it endorses and makes, for me, the decision to have Lennon, the guy that's leading them, hopefully, from his point of view, for 10, is, uh, it makes perfect sense. I think you'll see quite a big difference in the results in Europe. Um, obviously, they didn't make the Champions League this year, so they're not playing the very best. But um, one thing Rodgers was always trying to do, the possession game in Europe as well. And when you came up against the real top-class teams, your PSGs and Barcelonas, you get annihilated, yep. you get your 7-1s, you get your 5-0s. And I think, again, Lennon, if you look at the the way he played Barcelona and beat them, it was pretty ugly to watch from an aesthetic point of view. Yeah, but Nobody remembers nobody that. Nobody remembers either. that, yeah. no. They just look at the clip of Tony Watt running through and sticking the second one in the net. So I think you'll see in Europa League, although it's not quite the same test as playing a Barcelona or a PSG, um, but I think Celtic will be competitive because they'll have different ways of playing. Um, certainly the game on Thursday is probably, I would argue, their toughest assignment on, on the 
match day one. So it's a showcase mm-hmm. for Celtic players now, Europa yep. League. Whether it's Edward, whether he's what he shows, a nine million player can become a twenty-nine million player. Whether Olivier and Cham wants his move, whether he can go and prove that he's capable of operating amongst the best now. You're talking about a drop in level being Europa League, but I think Ren are a side that will give. Uh, make people sit up and take notice of a real quality outfit the amount of money we're talking that they're spending, spending players they'll be real top quality and if Celtic aren't at their best you could get a night like uh, one of the European nights that you're actually talking about that's quite an interesting thing with, with French football it's because um, Paris Saint-Germain have had to find ways to get around this um, financial fair play one of them is that the Qataris that own PSG also own BN Sports in um uh, in Asia and so one of the ways they get around um, financial fair play is to have a bigger television deal so a lot of money's flown into French football in the last 3-4 years through increased TV rights and it's having a trickle down effect so you have the likes of Marseille are able to spend a lot of money, you've got um, Rennes spending £18 million on one player and spending another five, six, seven players as well. So this is a real tough game for Celtic. I, mean, I watched the Marseille Monaco game last night and they've signed a striker for €40 million. Euros. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, I never knew. It's great having Kevin on because you get insight, <laughs> unlike no other. <laughs> but you're right. Um, these top-end League One uh, sides are capable of dismantling the best and Celtic, I think, this will be a real eye-opener. Yeah, I mean, French football's not at the level of the Serie A or La Liga, Premier League quite yet. I mean, it's not far down. You've mm-hmm. got serious money, serious wages. And if Celtic get a result in Rennes, it's it's a huge feather in their cap, I think. Yeah, and just bringing it back to that point that you made there about the finances, it's not... You know, I think Rennes, are, they're up there, I think they're sitting second in Liga and uh, this season, but last year they finished, they finished 10th. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if this was, you know... They were one of the top, top sides in the league last year. They're finishing 10th and still going out and spending £19 million on the one player. It's, do you know, it's, you know, it's quite startling when you look at it that way, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, especially it's, when you consider Celtic, well, there was a lot of eyebrows raised because Celtic were buying somebody for £7 million from a French team. But I think when you look at the, the fees involved and other transfers in the same league, you can see that that's really peanuts for the the big French clubs these days. Yeah, another problem Celtic have, and it's uh, an eternal one. You've got, you've got to play Hamilton Ackies uh, in the lead up to a game where you're facing players that cost nineteen million pounds against players that are paid seven hundred, eight hundred, nine hundred pounds a week. So the step from that to try and lift yourself into that real top operating environment—I mean, that's uh, that's a problem for Celtic. It is, and I see people that think they can just switch it on against. It's, it's a different environment, different test, different level, different mindset you have to have when you're playing against guys that are flying, flying past you. And again, Celtic against Hamilton, they're dominating the ball. They won't dominate the ball on Thursday night, and uh, you're going to have to shift your mind into dealing with that problem. Mm-hmm. But as you said, actually, there's a lot of intelligent footballers in this Celtic side now. Do you think they'll cope better? And these kind of big European stages now? I do, and I think they've been over the course now, they're experienced. Um, it isn't Champions League, Kevin's right, it's uh, a test against a second tier 
side, a Celtic, a third tier side, some might say they are. Certainly in the financial terms, they are. So, like I say, it's a chance for guys to go out and show just how good they are. Julian justify a £7 million fee. It might not be a lot in French football, but it's a lot to Celtic. And he's going back to a country where he's got points to prove. These are things that all add to the ingredients that make Celtic the kind of some total of what's going to be a massive challenge. The big worry for me is that um, there's a lot of talk about Bolingoli early in the season, and most people generally think he's come good in the last two or three games. But if you look at the old firm game, Rangers didn't play a right winger, and on Saturday you're up against a Hamilton team basically set up to defend. So for me, arguably, he's still not had a defensive test in the, these games where he's considered to have improved mm-hmm. and um, the, guy, the guy that's going to start on the right for Rent is this £19 million signing Rafinha who by all accounts very tricky, very fast so that would be my big concern for Celtic was still that left hand side of the pitch Yeah, they might be very weak down there and if this guy is as good as his transfer fee suggests then they're going to have to work out a way to try and get around that. Yeah, Kevin's right. I mean, the one test that Celtic have had, they failed. I mean, Rangers were poor at Ibrox, so we'll just discount that because you're right, they set themselves up not to go and uh, attack the vulnerabilities that Celtic had, but Cluj did. Cluj showed what uh, what, what what they can do to a Celtic defence when they are not at it, and they weren't at it. Now, to lose as many goals as at at home is a real concern, and that was the test, and Celtic failed. Now, this is a bigger test on Thursday, so that puts it in context. I think it goes back to what you were saying as well earlier about James Forrest and the defensive side of your two kind of white guys. Um, yep. Whoever starts on the left, be it El Yunusi or Johnson, they're going to have to do the same because this, this guy's going to give a big test to the ball and goalie, I would say. Yeah, Celtic will have to be, I mean, they're going to have to set himself up conservatively. Lennon can trust his players now. You're talking about can you, the guys in the park, technical players, intelligent players. Mm-hmm. Um, you can trust them now because they've been over the course of the experience. You're not talking about guys like James Forrest and McGregor now as like young players. Are 28, 27. They've been in this environment so often. They know what to do. But there's nothing you can do when you come up against a team that's superior. And I'm not saying that Kluge will be superior, but if you don't do the basics well against teams that will go and hurt you, Hamilton are not going to do that, mm-hmm. for example. That's the thing. So you've got it's easier to get through the game. You don't have to be as concentrated but you have to be for sure on Thursday night bang on it yeah who would you start down that left hand side then if you think Bowley's going to need a wee bit of protection Kevin who do you think is the best option is it Elianusi or is it someone who somebody left field perhaps Elianusi literally would, would kind of offer you more physicality than say Mikey Johnson would um, but what you might argue the case for is to say bring in Cham and play McGregor on the left, um, which might be something Lennon does because he already had the he got a lot of criticism for playing McGregor at left back. Mm-hmm. But I think if you played him further forward with Ball and Golly behind him, then that might be a bit more solid. Um, it's hard to tell if Elianusi is good defensively because you, it's early days. You wouldn't get that against Hamilton, really. Yeah, um, yeah I don't think Mikey Johnson will be an option for him. This is uh, uh, a game where you're going to try and grab something on the on the break, try and be as tight as you can, try and make sure you smother the game as much as possible because they're not going to out, outpass around. They're going to try and have to smother and try and... It's a, it's a containment game. They're going to try and have to hang on and make sure they bring something back to Glasgow to work on. Would that have been the kind of game where you could use a Scott Sinclair on the left-hand side? experience 
know-how. I think if you've got a Scott Sinclair rubbish. that's been playing <laughs> that's been playing regularly, then you might have uh, the case for that. Yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, certainly not now. Not but now, if he'd no. been involved, I think um, for me, I would tend to go towards what Gordon was saying there about you need that solidity, and I think Sinclair doesn't offer much defensively for me. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're in an away game where you're going to get tested down the right flank by a very very good winger. Um, I would say that Scott Sinclair is probably not your man for that job. Yeah. Um, but I still feel he has something to offer Celtic, and I'm a bit surprised at how he's been marginalised and how even after the transfer window's closed, he's not involved in match day squads. Which yeah, I would, I I would disagree that with that. I think the writing's on the wall. Mm-hmm. I think the new contract was a protection for Celtic rather than a protection for the player. But having not sold him then do you not find it a bit strange that he's not I, I think um, in an ideal world that would have happened it mm-hmm. didn't the situation just wasn't right and I think it's a regret for the player Celtic I'm sure regret that as well because they're, they're now over, overloaded and there comes a time when you've got to clear a path for a Mikey Johnson and Scott Sinclair will have to step aside to allow a, a young Scottish talent, talent to flourish mm-hmm. you've now got another option on the left hand side so I think uh, it's the end of days for Sinclair Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I, I, I can't see him having any role now unless there's a major like, injury crisis or something. But it's not very, as you say, Celtic should have shifted him in the summer because this guy will be in your top two, three earners, won't he? I would imagine that. I think when you spoke to Lennon, I think some of his comments were that everybody anticipated that it was a fait accompli that it was Ofsky. But what, at least sometimes transfers just don't materialise. Um, there can be a variety of reasons for that. But surprising it also means you've got a guy who's taking a hefty wage out of the club and he's not contributing but Celtic are used to that scenario yeah I'd imagine they're already looking for a buyer in January I would think yep. yeah and you mentioned uh, just going back to the Ren game here Kevin you you mentioned the possibility of bringing in Cham and pushing McGregor out to the left there's kind of regardless of who plays on the left do we think this is the right this is the stage for Cham to, to say right go and, go and show what you can do that shows what you're what you're all about. Yeah, well, obviously he's going back to his home country um, and he has fallen out of favour with the French. He used to be quite a regular player for the under-21s. So I mean, there's no way he's going to push on and become part of the French senior squad if he's not getting a game for Celtic. Um, but I think he's shown in the games that he has played so far this season that there's definitely still talent there. And I think Lennon should try and involve him a bit more and... I think this would be the, the kind of ideal game to do it. He's got a motiv- motivation because he wants to show the French audience that he's still a player mm-hmm. and he still can make a, something with his career. So um, I think this is the kind of ideal game to play him in. I agree. Everything that Kevin's saying is spot, spot on, but you saw the quality that he has when he came on at Ibrox, the control that he had. Yeah. The assurance he has, his ability to travel with the ball to see a pass, it's, uh, it can be exceptional at times. He can also be a non-contributor at times as well. He has got a high opinion of himself. He believes that he's a real deal. He thinks that there's a higher platform for him to play on. If Lennon has a word in his ear and say, go out and show it, because it's a win-win for Celtic. They spent a lot of money on him. Are they going to recoup the money that they spent on him? Well, he has to go and do more. But he's one of those players at Celtic that has it all ahead of him if he... If, if, if he produces what he what he can, there's no doubt he's a really really special talent. But it's not often enough. Mm-hmm. It's also I mean Celtic's model is to buy players like Cham for 
four or five million and then sell them on for 15 million say and that's not going to happen if he's not in the team so yeah. Celtic for their business model as such have to really try and develop this player and yeah because he's definitely got the potential to be in that 10 to 15 million pound bracket Kevin would you would you say so yeah I mean that was the the price quoted when you had the likes of Porto sniffing around him in the summer so um, I think if you look at the market these days then I think he is probably up there but only if he's on top of his game and if he's contributing I think as Gordon says it seems to be a lot to do with his attitude at times yeah um, I mean I think Lennon will find a way to get him in the, in the team on Thursday for exactly the reasons that Kevin's outlined and I think he's one of those it seems to be kind of laissez-faire about the game in Scotland he's kind of it's, you know there's an attitude there's a well, kind of apathy about it <laughs> well, that, listen it, it translates Scottish football is a hard place to play if you don't work hard because a lot of it requires effort it requires you working hard to get on on the ball and you saw when he came on at Ibrox that he, he, that he did bit between his teeth he wanted to go and show he's, I mean he's a great player to have when you're when he's looking up and he's trying to run the game for you he, he can do that for Celtic and he can do that to a level that very few players can. But certainly, if he takes Scottish football for granted, is that move going to materialise? It won't, because he's not going to get a game. No. So this is the showcase for him, as it is for a lot of Celtic players. And I think the glamour that the Europa League gives him, the break for one week you're in Lanarkshire, the next week you're playing in Wren. I mean, it's it's really the real caveat for them is to go and show and, and, and charm as a proving ground for him. And big questions have to be answered. And these are the games that he's going to get noticed in. So if he doesn't turn it on on this stage, he's not going to get that move. Yep. Um, so I think, I think it's it would be a, a smart move to, to bring him in for, for Thursday's game. Yeah, and I mean, it's almost certain that, barring any injuries, uh, that Edward will start as well. Is this, again, the nick and another step on his progression this season? Big European game, big test back in his home country. It's kind of made for, made for him as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that delivers consistently in big games and derby matches, European qualifiers. So we saw he'll be in the, the public consciousness in France because of what he did in the under-21s in the last two games. So he'll be keen to show that I can do this at club level as well. I can play at a higher level. And I deserve to be in the Europa League, if not the Champions League. So Yeah, there's a fact that you can't dispute when it comes to people like Edward and Cham, Dembele had it. They envy what others have. They believe they've got a talent to go and aspire to be everything that a Dembele is. Or they'll go to Rennes, they'll see the environment, they'll see the pitch, they'll see the stadium. They want a bit of that. And the greatest respect to Celtic, it only satisfies them for so long. And I think you get people like Edward that know that their progress charts accelerating so fast that they have to go and do it now. And... Uh, Edouard's delivering for Celtic. That's the difference, consistently. But when he does it for France's under-21 team, uh, when he does it in the Europa League, when he does it against Manchester City or whoever, that's when the big bucks start to um, get spoken about. And he's a clever kid, he knows that. Mm-hmm. I think um, Scottish football has to accept its place in the world these days. And if you have a talent such as Edward and Virgil van Dijk, the very most you're getting out of them is two seasons now. Mm-hmm. If you've got a player of that calibre and they're turning it on without 
any injuries or other issues, then they're gone, basically. I mean, yeah, Kieran, Kieran Tierney turns up to Scotland squads and he sees Andy Robertson with £70,000 a week contract and he sees all the adulation in Champions League heroics. It's a natural thing. It's like, it's like any job. When you see people doing better, earning more, having a better working and in, in more credible working environment that uh, French football provides English football, you want a bit of that. And it's just a natural law, really. That's all from us today, but we'll be back again next midweek to bring you all the latest from Parkhead. Thanks to Gordon and Kevin for joining me, and be sure to subscribe on Acast and iTunes to get the pod as soon as it's available, and you can also rate us on there as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.